Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. Depending on what part of the world you're in, it's summertime. And what does every red-blooded alpha male under the sun want in the summer? Big arms. Just ask Marty and Jim, who run around from April to September with their shirt sleeves blown off. Arms are a big deal. (laughs) So... What's wrong with February? Arms we, are a what, very big why, deal. Why, why do we have to wear sleeves in February? Well, I agree with you. I mean, you, you don't want farmer tan, right? Um, hey, we've had multiple inquiries recently on arms. Uh, we've done this. We talked about arms specifically, I don't know, maybe about a year ago. So this will kind of be a little bit of a part two. We'll go into some some uh, things that we hadn't covered the first time. But uh, anyway, this will be chock full of good information for arms, I promise. Um, I want to ask you guys, what's the psychology behind big arms? Why do we all strive to have big arms? Who cares? What's the big deal? What is it about arms? Because we don't want puny, pathetic arms. Yeah, and that's Great what answer. It's the first thing you see. You got your t-shirt on, you know, you're you got long pants on or whatever, but see your arms sticking out, man. Who wants a little who wants a little Q-tip? <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta I can't stand people with little arms, man. Even women, I'm like, what man, do some curls. What are you doing? You gotta have a little muscle on your arms. Yeah. You I know, think the I, arms <clears throat> go ahead. No, you can have bud. Oh, I think the arms kind of just represent the overall physique. I think um, they're the, you know, if you're wearing a shirt, a lot of things, a lot of times that's the only thing that's showing that people see anyway. So everybody wants, wants arms. And I think it represents what follows with the rest of the physique. If you got some killer jacked arms, well, the rest of your body probably is too. Not necessarily, oh, buddy. <laughs> no, 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 no. You haven't been in New Jersey. You haven't been in New Jersey. With the wind pants on and the tank top. So you can't see <laughs> your legs. <laughs> your legs. No, that reminds no, no, me no. of that. that re- we were that, just going to spin into the whole idea that uh, <clears throat> the classic muscle head spends 80, 85 to 90% of his time training the beach muscles or the mirror muscles, the muscles that they can see in the mirror are the muscles that are exposed when they go to the beach, the rest of them are the hell with them. So Marty, let me ask you this, but you may not have the answer because you grew up around so many Olympic weightlifters, but. Oh, they were terrible in arms, man. No, but I'm saying back then in bodybuilding, like the sixties and then going into the early seventies, guys didn't train their legs in bodybuilding as, as much as they did after like, plats and all that came on board is that correct yeah yeah i mean the physiques weren't as good yeah but i mean like you know, cal Stalig, if you remember him yeah sure he won america and and literally not a cut in his legs and i know i know but you you won't find a cut in bill pearl's legs i know so that's yeah. what i'm saying and so uh, yeah that's so kind of chest and arms were the big thing, or weren't they? Chest and bicep. Yeah, uh, yeah the whole. Well, it, you know, we should be more specific. I, I, I think of it like the guys, the early guys that inspired me. I started looking at the magazines in about 1963. Right. And it was strength and health, 
there was Muscle Builder, which was the leader. Strength and Health was Hoffman and York right. and, and right. was weightlifting bias. They felt that red-blooded Americans that had gotten back from Korea, yeah, right, they should lift weights overhead. And that's the kind of functional athletic physique you had. Then you had the weeders emerging in the West Coast. They had relocated from Canada. They'd been in Montreal. They decided, well, we're gonna we're gonna head to Southern California. So they set up shop and had muscle builder. And then you had the odd but very good periodical Iron Man with by yeah. Perry, Perry Raider and Mabel Raider out of Nebraska, Alliance, Nebraska. <laughs> so you'd get the three muscle magazines each month, and I, you know, they were like manta from heaven you know I, I knew the day that they would arrive at the newsstand oh my god we were all like that that's crazy Go right and so but but the early guys reg park had a great baseball bicep arm and he was a big he was a big dude i mean he was a 240 pound big guy yeah. Uh, but his arm looked, looked good. And Reg could get, there are some pictures of Reg where he was pretty doggone ripped for 1956. I agree. Now, now Marty, Reg was one of the first guys to, to bench 500, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Reg was genuinely strong for sure. Well, um, you had to be back then, right? Marty, I mean, people didn't respect you because everybody said, oh, those are just show muscles and all that stuff. So, if, if people respect the strength, and, and Bill Pearl did those strongman's things where he yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Reg, uh, well, Reg and Pearl and Marvin Etter, uh, they were of the thought that in order to grow a muscle, you had to get really strong. Right. And everybody was into, you know, bulking up. Right. <laughs> I love that phrase, bulking up. I'm bulking up. Well, that gives you the license to do anything, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, buffet. Why, why are you eating that gallon of ice cream? I'm bulking up. I need the calories, oh, oh, my man. bulk cycle. <laughs> <laughs> it never ends. So, uh, yeah, but that's what we did. We Everybody back then, that we were nutritionally ignorant. No one knew. I mean, there weren't nutritional breakdowns on food. Yeah. Right, Cigar there weren't any warnings on cigarettes. No one had seatbelts. We threw empty beer cans out the window. <laughs> right, we're still alive. It was it's the true. age. Of, it was it's the true. age of, of ignorance. But what we knew is that oh, protein was good <clears throat> if you wanted to grow gargantuan, which we did. Because I was a hundred and thirty pound kid who had my full height. I was five ten by the time I was twelve. So. I was always skinny, so I have 120 pounds at age 12. So, well, let's let's get going here. You know, for age 13, I'm reading the magazines, and what are they saying? I'm reading, well, slam milk and squat. Yeah, good advice and overhead press. Right. So we did that and clean. Uh, we did a lot of cleans, a lot of overhead press. I mean, we weren't too good at the snatch. We weren't too good at the clean and jerk good squatters, deadlifts. We didn't do a lot of deadlifts because we were too busy power cleaning. We did okay. them, but it wasn't so would like... Would you say that, that Hoffman's magazine had the most influence on you guys? Oh, me, absolutely. Because yeah. I wanted to be a weightlifter. I because he had, he had... I mean, if people don't even know this, and we, I, I always think everybody does, but you had an Olympic weightlifting uh, contest before the bodybuilding show, and absolutely. you competed in both. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. who came yeah. over from Cuba, he was an Olympic weightlifter. 
he was the Cuban national champion. He actually he actually defected at the Pan Am Games. Yeah, so he had he that was, background. Oh, he was a he was an international level Olympic lifter. Wow. Then he switched to bodybuilding. That's why he was so incredible. Uh, but getting back to the early arm idols, you had Reg with his big old baseball bicep. <clears throat> you had the the relatively unknown Freddie Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever see photos of Freddie Ortiz's uh, arm? Yeah, he had on with the chino. He chino. had he had the Arnold arm ten yeah. years before Arnold. Yeah. Right. It, he, and man. Ronnie Coleman has that same arm. Yeah. That's that peak on top of the peak. I had Ronnie Coleman. <clears throat> he was not big yet. He was still about nah, 235. And he flexed his arm for me one time. I was writing for Muscle and Fitness at the time. I was their training, <clears throat> training editor. So we were at the Olympia and we were standing around and he said, <clears throat> and I said, you want to see my arm? I said, yeah, sure, buddy. And it was like, he hit the arm, but then at the end, it was like how the alien busts through the guy's skin. Yeah. That was his peak on his arm. Right yeah, at the like end, like beep, and he hit that, and it's like, oh god, look at that! You know, that's a bicep you know, though, on top of the bicep. And yeah. I'm, wait, let me finish. I'm three feet away from this, <laughs> right? I mean, and and he's thing. doing, and he's doing it for me, and I'm like, man, look at that! Yeah, and it's like, wow. And I didn't see him when he was 290. This was at I 235. Did. I can't imagine how big that. that his arm must have been as yeah, big it, as it, a thigh. Otherworldly. He was 320 when I saw him. Oh, I've never Lord. seen anything like that in my life. But you could tell, but because he started with powerlifting, right? Yeah. He was a good athlete. He was but you could tell from a very early age the incredible shape and potential that he had. Of everybody. He had it there. Of everybody's. When you're on a playground as a kid, everybody flexes their arm. Everybody's arm looks different. And then you can tell that yeah. one guy, you're like, whoa, what? What is that? Do you know what I mean? They have less of a gap and more of a peak or, you know. You yeah. Know. But he was kind of a, uh, a physique anomaly. If you looked at his entire body, I mean, he was just very shapely, just, you know, uh, muscle I, bellies. I, I, I got to disagree with that. I don't think he was the most symmetrical bodybuilder. I think he actually was a little off in his proportion. I know he was, his size was incredible. He had great conditioning. Well, in different years he he like dorian i tell you and again we're really getting off the subject here because we really want to stick to arms it's jim's fault i love it stick to arms okay but but anyway so let's spin back to arms so the what all right you're finishing you were going to finish your thought about those uh, ron and coleman What's the finish? I mean, at, you're, you're at, 300, at 320 pounds, he was my height. I'm 5'10", he's 5'10". Maybe yeah. he's 5'11", but, yeah. you know, in a way, 320, and he's packing a 12% body fat percentile, right? Yeah, you were talking about the symmetry, though. You yeah, know, well, I thought I didn't symmetry. think, well, he didn't have the symmetry that Flex did. He didn't have the symmetry that Sergio did. He didn't have the symmetry that uh, Danny Padilla, Danny Padilla. Yeah, Danny was good. Yeah, I, yeah. I like Danny. Danny didn't have the sheer size that the other guys had. I, I'm not saying that Ronnie didn't belong in the top four of symmetry, but I just didn't think he was that. He didn't know. He wasn't like Flex. So if you'd seen right. Flex, Flex looked like a god. Well, you're right about Flex. I've done some work with Flex when I worked with uh, Lou and seen him right there in, in person. Now, this was more in his uh, early days, but 
even I from bet, early on. I mean, I bet he fit in the car. Well, I didn't hang with him. No, we did a photo shoot. Uh, let's see. We did a photo shoot and a video shoot, I think. We hung out with him all day at, at Powerhouse Gym. This was like, man, this must have been 92 or something way early on. And Lou really saw him as an up-and-comer and very promising. <laughs> Anybody could. Yeah. But he was, a, he was a great guy to talk with. We hung out with him had all he, day. Had he won anything? Um, I'm nice. sure. I don't know what this was. Well, like I'm saying, said, was, was, he, was, he com- was he competing in the Olympia at the time? I don't think he was in the Olympia okay. yet. So this was before his, that, well, he was in the Olympia a lot of years. So this is when he was on his way up. He did the muscle mania in Redondo beach that one year. And that's when yeah. I was still working for. He Lee. probably didn't win the nationals till 91, 92. Uh, cause it's well, that ain't the Olympia. But what, what I like to, what I noticed about him was talking about symmetry. If you looked at the shape of his arms and then looked at the shape of his legs, they were very similar. He was very symmetrical all the way down and the, the tiny little waist and the tiny little joints. And um, he just had a, a great physique. It was that. Oh, Pearl had the best relaxed arm. Yeah, okay. that tricep just hung off the, you couldn't yeah, see his right. elbow. You yeah, couldn't see his elbow. And that's he'd right. turn out and, and flex his forearm a little bit. And you yeah, just good, you know, good forearms. Good forearms. But I, I'll tell you a little secret about Bill. Bill had natural calves and forearms. They were a gift, like mentor. Calves and forearms tend to go together because they're made of similarly dense tissue. And guys that have freaky big forearms usually, for some weird reason, have freaky big calves. So okay. Bill had big and Bill's brother, Harold, was the same way. Harold never, I don't think, touched a weight in his life. And he had, like, big-ass caps and forms, too. Yeah. So, anyway, we saw Bill. Cassidy and I were walking around the York Picnic, which was a cool event. They had, after the national championships on Saturday, they'd have a, a picnic at, in York on Sunday. Wow. And the lifters would show up, and they'd do weird stuff that they wouldn't normally do. And, um, you know, they'd drink. They'd sell protein shakes and Hoffman bars and stuff, but it was good to see the guys in action. So Pearl showed up and he was walking around. Wow. Cassidy, Cassidy was following him around like a groupie. <laughs> yeah, well, I would be good. Well, but, but, but Hugh was stronger than Bill, but he was like, look at that one. The only yeah. other time I saw him like that was one time we, we met Roger Estep. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. And Roger was just this rocked out little power. Yeah, was, Even Weeder like had some stuff on him. Yeah, everybody was he after was. Roger for a while. He was kind of a <clears throat> natural too, but Roger had these great arms. But Roger had good size, but he had real low body fat. And yeah. He was. I remember he was eating an apple and Cassidy afterwards just said, "Did you see his the way the snakes went up and down his arms? He <laughs> ate that apple." <laughs> great. So you were you were at a freaking picnic and freaking all those superstars are just walking around. Yeah, they did that every year. They do, they do that after the uh, after the powerlifting championships because they were in, always in the the championships were always in the summer. Yeah, right. So you'd have like the national, you know, whatever the national weightlifting championships, and usually I think it was at the York Auditorium. I think it was a high school auditorium, but it was a nice yeah. one, a big one. Yeah, and Jim, so you be there on Saturday and then Sunday you'd see the guys walking around. Bill, a lot of power. I tell you who else had 
had arms every bit as impressive as Bill Pearl, and that was Karwaski. Yeah, he has big ass, thick man, really thick. And when he got down to two forty-two, uh, I remember I got in this <laughs> argument. I was like, you know, I know a power lifter that could walk into a body regional bodybuilding show and win. Yep. And this guy was a bodybuilder; he never won anything. And he was but, like, uh, but no but, way, no way. And I put Kirk's two forty-two up on the in the screen. He's at Mac and he's posing, and he's like, oh yeah, man, you're right. But t but talk about what it took to build those arms. Almost nothing, right? It just yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he's curling eighties, nineties, strict man. I mean, oh yeah, in terms of the intensity, but in terms sure. of the vi volume, nothing. He'd do oh, no, what volume. three or three or four sets of curls a week. Yeah, and five hundred pound close grips. <laughs> you know. Would he do triceps or would did I know, that man, I never saw I never saw him do any direct he told triceps. Me that work. It, all he's so strong that it hurt his elbows to do any he, triceps. You know what he Jim, he did try to do a little bit of easy bar curl stuff and it didn't work. For triceps? Yeah, it didn't yeah. work. It didn't work. So, so <laughs> neither did leg pressing. So I used to talk to him when yeah. he was. No, God, no, God, please don't make us. <laughs> don't let him do leg press. Just please. Yeah. Because Bob and I, it would ruin our back workouts, loading and unloading the hundred pound plates off Kirk's <laughs> leg press. I I'm not lying, man. After you yeah. load and unload six or seven hundreds per side, and he's yeah. wrapping them, yeah. he's wrapping them, and he's going, uh, I'm not really feeling anything. <laughs> then we got to take him off. That is sort of ridiculous. They got to figure out a way to do that better with the leg press. Even now, you got to put on all those plates. You know, well, it makes for a good sale because everybody goes, "Oh, look how strong I am! I can use four plates on each side." And it's like, "Nah, you're still weak." <clears throat> I asked him. Uh, I asked Kirk. I said, "You know, because I was doing that. Um, I was putting that that video together for him. That uh, beer and metrics video at the beach video with Kirk. That's his two forty here." Yeah. Yeah. And when he's in the kitchen, he's drinking that uh, he's drinking that metrics and Coors Light. He's mixing it up and he turns sideways. He's got this total washboard. I mean, thick washboard. I said, Kirk, did you even do abs? He said, I squatted. We never did abs. And the, the deadlift is huge. For your the deadlift abs. is a reverse sit up. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Your OK, abs. you're uncurling instead of curling. It's a reverse crunch. Okay, yeah. that's your, your abs are strong as hell. You just got to get the fat off it. Now, let's get back to arms, guys. We keep spinning off into outer space. Hey, Jim's yeah, let's cover four. <laughs> also, oh, right. wait, well, okay. Well, well that's, that's about some regular arms. We haven't even covered regular arms. Then I know, I know. Them. But anyway, Bill Pearl's walking around with a ham hock. Well, I'm just saying that there's a thing, of, there's a secret about Pearl. There's a secret about Kirk. There's a secret about Franco Colombo, all those guys. Roger Estep, they all look better relaxed than when they flex. The Schwartz, Schwarzenegger pointed it out. He said, hey, he said, these powerlifting type guys, they look fantastic. Franco, just, Franco too, Franco. Yeah, uh, power, Frank, yeah 700 pound deadlift, 525 pound bench press, 181 yeah. pounds. Yeah, he's world record strong. But Arnold's point was guys like Franco, guys like Kirk, guys like Bill Pearl, Guys with that kind of physique, they look great, relaxed, but they don't, when they flex up, it's not that dramatic. He, dramatic said, yeah. he said, a guy like me, he's talking about himself. He said, well, I'm walking around, people go, oh, that guy's kind of built athletically well. He said, but when I flex, he said, I swell up like a peacock and people are shocked. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. That's a difference. And that's what Kirk had in all these guys. When Kirk flexed, it wasn't as impressive as when it's just hanging there. But so explain that, Marty. That has to do well, with the, the it could be I think, yeah, I think that the, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's tight fascia, which is the sausage-like casing that surrounds a muscle. And if you have tight fascia, it's like canvas. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's hard to to expand. If you have loose fascia, well, then that allows for the possibility of dramatic muscle expansion. Mm. Right. And it, it was funny with Arnold because in, in all his good shots, he's always flexing the right bicep, if you notice that. Yeah. Because that right bicep had the killer peak. The yep. other one had a great peak too, but it was not it was not on par with the right. Now you know his his favorite all-time favorite bicep exercise. Um I don't know with the uh, with the, the uh, bicep blaster. No, yeah, that's just what it should be. I, you know, I, I think the bicep blasters were pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's it, Jimmy. Jimmy, you get the you uh, JP. You're still giving away the Ferrari for whoever answers this right, correct? Um, yeah, Jim's paying for it. I'd rather have. Yeah, a that's it. Cheat curls. <laughs> but his cheat his cheat curls were barely cheat curls. Really? Right. So it was an overload thing. Oh, his cheek curls were works of art. You can you can find video of it, but he like throws it up to a certain point. But the contraction that he gets and the amount of poundage he's able to use, see. Yeah. So anyway, that was his all-time favorite size building. But I read on exercise. that. Now he would go up as, as high as two seventy five on cheat curls. I read no, something. I know, right? I know, I know. That's a bunch of, that's a that. bunch of BS. No. That seems like way heavy. No. Anyway, the heaviest the, the heaviest curl I've ever seen a guy do, and this was legit. This was straight as a board guy standing there, strict curling two twenty five for reps. Really? Yes, absolutely. Who was that? Paul Bunyan. Mm-hmm. Who was that? This was a dude, he was the nicest guy. I've talked about him before. I don't know where he's at now, but this was in California. Uh, he was about 6'3", wore coat, wore coat bottle glasses. His name was Kermit. And this dude had 23-inch arms. I mean, the first time I ever saw him was in San Gabriel, at a place called Astro Gym. I was like 17. And I walk in and I see this guy. He's got two wheels on each side. And I'm like, oh, my God. And... Jim and I were talking about, you know, we used to do cheat curls and just, you know, we, I never got that high. No way. Um, but, you know, a lot of times you just tear up your shoulders and everything trying to yeah. <laughs> do cheat curls. Yeah, those are called, them. those are called reverse cleans. Can I, uh, can I add something here? Yeah. Look, if you want big arms, number one, you've got to train them biceps and triceps on a regular repeated basis. All right. Number two. You also need to understand there is an exercise hierarchy. Not all arm exercises are created equal. Right. You, need, you need to understand which ones are indispensable, which ones are superfluous. Okay. And thirdly, maybe most importantly, is this whole strategy that you're, if, if you want to significantly improve your arm size, you've got to gain quality body weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, an inconvenient truth that most modern trainees refuse to embrace. They believe that there's just a magical arm routine. And as soon as they discover it, 
they can push their 15 inch arms to 17 inches, staying 160 pounds at five foot 11. And so it's never, it's never gonna happen. So how does that guy go up to 16 inches, uh, the 150 pound guy, what's he gotta all, do? All the, the old school rule of thumb was that for every inch in size, you had to go up 10 pounds in body weight. So you gotta get your diet in order first. Well, yeah. Now, what do you think about that? Now, this is some really cutting edge thinking is, look, the most intelligent thing you can do before a, now the two, two concepts have to be linked together. You have to have a mass building phase, concept one, and a body part specialization phase, part two, put them together. In this case, you're talking about a mass building phase with an arm specialization program, right? Right. All right. So what do we got? So you, you need more muscular horsepower. Right. So what do you do? You've got to get in a calorie surplus place. But if you're already overweight and out of shape, this is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Because so you're gonna, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna eat more what you're eating more pizza and beer and ice cream and daiquiris you know, and this, ice cream and daiquiris. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying though. I mean that's you know and you know you see the guys all the time at the at the YMCA these big heavy guys are strong as hell. With and they weigh, well, they weigh two thirty five. <laughs> they weigh two thirty five, but you know they'd be a buck seventy five if they were in shape. Right, and their arms look like crap like that. Oh, well, they do the reverse clean with the with the easy curl bar with the 45 on each side. But the the if you notice, the angle never really changes and their arms stay the same. Yeah, that's what, that's what we call a clue. They lower so, their body to the bar. Yes, yes <laughs> exactly. So this concept that you, you, to, you need to gain quality body weight. Well, the smartest thing you can do first is lean out, go in a lean out phase get as fit and as fat free as possible. Then Jim, right. As you know, you're all set up for the anabolic burst, right? When, when do you make the most gains, Jim, right? When you're the most starved, can you address that? Yeah. And then you have the contest and then you start eating. Well, wait, but what, tell them about the horror that leads up to the oh, eating. You get your body fat very low by doing tons of cardio and by eating very little. And uh, you know you're restricting water. The last well, can, couple of days can you expand a little bit? What do you mean by tons of cardio? What do you mean by eating very little? Um, well, I can speak for myself and people I've trained. I, I remember having uh, you know two hour days for you know nine weeks. Two oh, excuse hours excuse me, two hours of cardio a day. Yeah, so I do an hour in the morning, an hour at night, and I, and sometimes I would split it up. But yeah, two hours total. Dude, it sucks. So, excuse my language. It's why don't you walk them through a day of your eating? You'd wake up and what? Have a big have a big buffet? No, nah, I'd go as long as I can. <laughs> I'd, I'd do the cardio with uh, some type of stimulant, and uh, then I'd go as long as I can before I'd eat, and then it would just be. It depends. Well, what, how, what, how, what time would you eat? Well, I'd get up at four, so you know by nine o'clock, something like that. So okay, what would you have? Hours, you know. What's that? What would you have? It depends what phase, but it would be like probably beef and sweet potatoes early on, and then it'd be fish and maybe a half a sweet potato. So two, two small fillets of tilapia, 
um, some raw cabbage. <laughs> right. How <laughs> many I'm saying it how many, how many calories, including your MCT calories a day? Uh, you figured it out with the MCT, which was over two thousand, but without. <laughs> yeah, but and you're weighing what two oh five? Yeah, probably around that point. Yep, two oh five. Okay. Yeah. What so, time was your first meal? It's going to be around nine, I think. If I got up at four, I could barely sleep. You could barely sleep when you're that hungry. Damn, five hours. So you wouldn't have anything except for no, maybe coffee until about. Because I'd be like, but tan death march. You know what are you what are you doing? Oh, you're that hungry? You ain't that hungry? Can you have uh, can you have a couple of scoops of just plain uh, whey protein at that point? Because you figure when your muscles would just be, suck I, that, that would right break, up. No, that'd be breaking my diet. It, the men, if the mental <sighs> aspect is so huge. No, man. If I touch that, no. And, I'd be like, and then when you picture. when you do that, you're detoxified. You're starved out. Yeah. Everything you're you've got amplified taste. That is the perfect time to now slowly, methodically, yeah, not crazily. Okay, let's add back. Right. So, oh, and in addition. We're also going to embark on an arm specialization program, which at very minimum, I think, is going to be twice a week. Right, Jim? Yeah, twice a week would be good. Two arm training sessions a week, biceps and triceps, probably some volume. So uh, what would you suggest? How would We'll ask everybody, how would you, if you were going to do arms twice a week, biceps and triceps, how would you fill the workout, Jim? I do two, 10 sets for biceps and 10 sets for triceps twice a week. That's what I would do. Ten, okay. Ha, uh, you got so some exercise examples? Two exercises, five sets a piece. Close well, grip is like, number yeah, one. Tell, okay. Well, tell us. Give us. Close, close grip for the triceps. Close grip what? Close grip bench press. Okay. Um, what is that? Like a nose? Uh, just a regular bench press? Not a nose break? Press. Yeah. It's a bench press with your. So what's your grip with? Right where the knurling begin. Okay. Well, you can handle some pretty good weight on that, right? I was always stronger in a close grip than I was on a regular bench. So, so, how, and, um, so how many sets? Five sets. Five sets. Because uh, you're, work, you're working up, working up, working up. How many yeah. top work sets? Are you doing like, what, three? On a, on a barbell lift, I would say only the last set is yeah. where a rep and, could And be you rep it out. You rep it out. Yeah. 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 And, and only the last set would be so difficult. I, I'm, I'm right. the big Got huge it. lifts like squats and deadlifts and bench press and all that. I, I always leave a rep. The other yep. stuff you can go crazy on. Yeah. Cause there's no injurious right. consequence. And the stimulus to, to missing a curl. Let's miss a curl. Who cares? And the stimulus is crazy. Exactly. So, all right. So, so you've uh, close grip bench. Uh, do you straight set or super set? No, nah, straight. I mean, I have done biceps and triceps. No, no. Just tell us what you yeah. do. What's your What's your strategy? So, I would, what's next? I would do. I would do the close grips, and I would take my time, mm -hmm. and then, then I would go to a bicep exercise, which would usually be a preacher curl, or usually a okay. dumbbell preacher curl, or a machine preacher curl. Okay. So I How found out a long. How many sets? How many sets? Five sets of everything. I oh, found a long time ago that, that anybody English on any bicep exercise doesn't work for me. And the preacher curl is perfect because I can only use my bicep. It takes my shoulder out of it, yep, takes yeah. everything out of it. If I can, yep. and if I do it right, then my forearm doesn't get involved. When I hold my wrist a certain way, yep. um, then my forearm doesn't get involved in much. So I had a problem for a long time. My arms wouldn't grow because my forearms would get pumped up so fast right. Right. before my biceps. And so I had to quote unquote isolate them and figure out ways to get my shoulders if, and my forearms out of it. If, 
if you look if you look closely at Schwarzenegger's hand position when he's curling, his wrists are bent back. That's me. That's that's right. That's right. He's that's purpose, exactly he's, he's purposely using a, a broken wrist, weaker rather than a strong, I'm gonna throw a punch wrist position. Yeah, he's letting his wrists fall under, which makes it more difficult. Right. So it's a, it's just an interesting little subtle thing he does. But that also. brings more the that brings more the uh, recruits the the bicep muscle, right? Uh, right. I guess right. instead and takes the look takes the work off the uh, forearms a little bit. Look at, look at his damn arms. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's an aha moment when you when you teach somebody that. No question. Yeah. Oh, now if, I feel it. If, do we're do, if we're doing isolation exercises, it's hey, brother, you you got to feel the, the isolated muscle working in real time or you're not doing it. Right. And, and I'll get back to the arm program, but I called Marty one time, JP, when I was doing my first bodybuilding show in years. And I said, cause he, he kept saying, man, Charles glass and, and you don't, the weight doesn't matter so much as you yep. got to really feel the muscle. And I said, yep. I was five fifty whatever regularly. And I was like, you mean, even if I have to use two twenty five, and he said, if that's the only way that you can feel the muscle. Yes. Yeah. That's the, that's the only it's, way. It's, so. it's bodybuilding. Yeah. And then, it's and then he not, said, it's not power training. It's not said, strength training. Do, then he said, why are you doing bodybuilding? No, I understood. <laughs> I, 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 tell you, I tell you, part of me was envious because, because you strips, that's how you strip down to minimum, minimum body fat. Right. And when, when you do that, all things are possible on the rebound. And if you handle that rebound correctly, that's how you put an inch and a half in your arms in 90 days. Right. I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. But it was a 15 pound body weight game. Most people are not prepared to do that. And that 15 pounds, it better be 12 pounds of muscle and three pounds of fat. You don't want to be adding. What's the sense in adding 10 pounds of body fat in 90 days. Yeah. Anybody can do that. And your arms yeah. are you know, it's just going to be puffed up. I mean, it's, but, but handled right. And you see guys like Kevin Lavroni and, and some of these smart guys, and, and that's what they do, Dorian, over the life of their career, they exponentially get larger, right? Mm -hmm. And again, it's this, this idea of the ideal time to embark on a mass building program is at the tail end of a lean out phase and they yeah. go back what a beautiful pendulum swing back and forth sure now jim you'll gain about what 30 pounds uh within a week or two after the show yeah it's not the best thing in the world for you I yeah but one day but have you ever taken a tape to the uh the guns and to no. see how much no. you put on no, no, I never measured anything, man, because man, it'd be depressing, you know. That'd be, in no, that'd be interesting. Though. You thought they were gonna, we were gonna. Well, pay. that'd be interesting though to see how much they grew in the next couple of weeks after a bodybuilding show. I bet you put at least a good inch or two on there. Oh, I'm sure, but you know, it looks. Yeah, I'm just saying, it's amazing how definition um, with a little less size compared to when you are bigger looks so much better. But anyway, back to my arm thing. So then I would do after the preacher curl, I'd do. Uh, either dips or pushdowns, Marty, or an extension. I like the dumbbell behind the head extension, standing. Yeah, single single dumbbell. Well, the, the single makes my two. Yeah, two, one, two, two arms. Two arms, one dumbbell, standing. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is... Yeah, two arms, one dumbbell. Yeah, yeah. You get so strong, you know, after a while. You run out, you run out of dumbbell. Yeah. Um, 
So a push down or a dip. I always like dips. I do dips on chest day, dips, dips on tricep day. You can do, you know, more straight up and down. You can lean forward. You can wear, use weight. Dips are, are great. Um, so same thing, five sets. Now that, I would do 12 reps and, and all that stuff. And then one more bicep exercise, I'd either do a hammer curl um, or I would do like a, a cable curl. Something yeah. like that. All five. Yeah. Uh, so would that be 15 sets of biceps? No, it'd be 10. 10, 10 total and 10 triceps. Right. Great sets. How long does that take? Man, I've done it in 20 minutes. Easy. Okay. Yeah. So you're, it's a minute a set. 20 sets, 20 minutes. Yeah, I always said, yeah, I would walk by the gym owner and he'd be looking at me like, done already? And I'm like, Yep. It's that's in 20 minutes, man. Yep. And then I'd be but, out the door. But Jim, those aren't all the failure though, right? Well, no. not the not the barbell stuff, but the other ones are. And so I'll actually decrease the weight if I have to, JP, around the third or fourth set, so I can yeah. get to failure at 12 instead of like yeah. you know, five. So you that's might start you might start off with weighted dips, right? And then right. you cut you cut the weight or you drop the weight. And you can yeah. from the next set and you keep going, right? And yeah. it just yeah. uh yeah, uh, I like the uh, yeah. So anyway, that's that's good. Twenty minutes, twenty sets. I mean, you're moving. Oh yeah, no talking, no phone, no. You know, you're just pull your hat down low and get going. And you know, I'll also <clears throat> now would you change the exercises if you were hitting them twice a week, or would you just stay with the same? Yeah, thing change them. I change them every single time. I change them. I change them every single time. Okay. Um, I think physically that's better for you, and then also because why not? I get bored. I get bored why know? not? Yeah. Right. Why not? Yeah. And there's plenty of exercises. You know, you just got to find the ones that you connect with, and and that's the muscle connection is everything when you're when you're doing bodybuilding. You know, and I'll also have phases where I'll do the uh, just three sets a piece, so six and six, six for biceps, six for triceps. But it's a light, then a medium set, and then an all-out set with two drops. So it's beyond failure. Yeah, that takes like 15 minutes, man. But you yeah. you know you're you're spent. That's a power. That's that's a power training. Strategy. Well, it's, it's like Dorian. It's like Mensa. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like Kirk. Yeah. 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 That's it. So how about you, JP? Well, like today, I don't. I don't know that I would ever. At this point, uh, I don't think I would train arms twice a week. That would just be too much for me. But what I do is like today I did, let's see, I did chest and, and triceps. Well, he's talking about doing a mass building phase, JP. But like, you know, would you do them twice a week? Uh, I don't think I would because um, what, what I've found works best for me is, is heavy and not as often. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, if I just, um, if I just pump it out, like my arms are not like my, my calves, I could just pump the hell out of my calves and they'll grow that whatever I do, they just, whatever I, if I command them to grow, they'll grow. Uh, my arms, if well, I- Well, they're, 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 they're in a continual overload situation. Yeah. But if, if I just pump out my arms, um, I, I feel like they get smaller. Oh uh, no! So wait a minute! To, wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> so I have to train them heavy, like, like I like my mass builders, like uh, the the dips and the uh, the close grip presses, which I I did close grip press today after chest, and uh, and then I I usually do uh, like Jim, I do the the dumbbell behind the head with with two arms. I do it seated though, 
so I can really isolate it. Um, but I've been giving my shoulders a break, so I've been doing push downs instead for the the inner head. Um, and then I just you know it was four let's see two sets of of uh, all out presses, close grip presses, and then I went to the push downs, two all out sets, and then I did one like high rep set of uh, of cable, you know, over the right. over the head extensions. Um, that was it. But I, I've always responded from less but heavy for upper body. Okay. And what kind? What's the? What did you say rep wise? Um, on my uh, close grip presses today, I was doing sets of eight. Okay. Six six to eight on all my tricep exercises, except for the last one I was doing 12s, pumped it out, you know, before I left the gym. Yeah, yeah. Well, Marty, I told you that story about, uh, that leads me into this point, but Frank Costello, who was uh, the yeah, Maryland- high jump. You, you know Frank. <laughs> Seven foot two inch high jumper. Yeah, was one of the first guys to go over to Russia and all that. I mean, he, yeah. he really gets zero credit in this world of strength. And he was such an innovator in bringing that stuff back. But- uh, Little Charlie Francis-like. Yeah, he was like a, a before Charlie, but with a brilliant mind, right? You know, he was sort of the for, the forerunner. Um, anyway, so I said, so he used to work at this tennis club after he was done with the Capitals and all that stuff and, and Maryland. And my dad said, you know, Frank, Frank Costello's working there. And, he, you know, he built a sand pit and everything like he liked it at Maryland for guys to do agility drills. And anyway, so I was thrilled to meet him. And he said... Uh, I said, who are the best athletes you've ever trained? He said, Len Bias and Randy White. He said, Len Bias because he was such a great athlete and Randy White because he was so damn mean. And, and then he said, let me tell you a little secret, man. He goes, nobody lifted weights back then in college football. And I, everybody, even all the players doubted lifting weights. You know, they were going to do what he said, but they were like, come on, man, it makes your muscle bound all that. Right. He said, you know what I did after every workout? I said, what's that? He said, we did arms. They did arms before they left and they walked around campus right. and all the girls were like, and the, even the guys were like, Whoa, man, where'd you get those arms? And so he, I always remember that my athletes always left feeling great with a pump. Even if we just crushed them on squats, now we're going to do, you know, some pumping biceps to get you walking around campus looking great. So uh, boys love arms. I'll tell yeah. you what. <clears throat> and uh, in fact, I had to, I ran a seminar, I guess that's three weeks ago now in New York City. <clears throat> and again, we, we burn them down on the, on the cross score, which is a suspension trainer. Right. It's, uh, they just love that, you know, we, we phrase it that the squats and the benches and the deadlifts and the overhead press, that's the meat and potatoes. And the arms is dessert, yeah. you know, and uh, eat your meat and potatoes and have some dessert, you know, and they love dessert. In fact, they'd eat dessert. They'd, they'd eat dessert and skip the meat and potatoes if they could. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so if I had two days, if I had a aggressive 160-pound, 5'11 guy who was wanting to put on some size in good condition, what, uh, 12 weeks, a pound a week, Jim? Go for it, yeah. Even that's a first a, couple weeks, he may gain a, a couple pounds. Yeah, could could be. I don't want him to go too 
too far yeah. too fast. Yeah, you know, his body's ready for that. It's going to soak it up, man. Uh, yeah, to, yeah, it depends on his degree of fitness. But if I were to fill two workouts, let me see, I'd do... Um, uh, I, I like a stricter barbell curl, right? Right. Um, maybe a little lean back, but not, you know, not a cheat curl. I don't want to say cheat curl because, you know, that's like, uh, here we go, right? <laughs> So it's a strict curl with, uh, if you have to, you know, have to put a little lean at the last rep, that's fine. Um, I think even Steven, I don't think I'd do volume. I don't think I'd do the intensity thing. I think I would just do more like what you're doing, Jim, is like, all right, let's do three to four sets of, you know, two to three exercises. Let's just get kind of a continuous tension thing going. Right. And, and you have to feel the muscle working in real time and so what exercises well i would start with the barbell curl right and then i love the seated steep inclined dumbbell curl oh it's brutal jp you done those where you don't move your elbows you got to keep your elbows back you talking about on the incline yeah, yeah. incline dumbbell curl yeah absolutely I mean, you turn one, out. guys guys bastardize it your arms are not supposed to move man you're supposed no. to be back I, you hit I, the uh also, right, hit the inner inner bicep with that well, one. Yeah. Well, also, I cut the angle. It's not a forty-five. It's less than a forty-five. Right. And I will squat down behind them, grab their arms, and keep their elbows back as right. they curl. Mm -hmm. Right. And they are screaming with twenty-fives. No question. No yes. Right. They're ah, they're shaking, and it's like, yeah, that's right. That's and, I, and then I leave, and I said, now you have to replicate that without yeah. me i'm not going to sit here and hold hold your elbows back in every set but you have got to replicate that also a little technical point i make them on the first reps i make them keep the back of their head in contact with the bench yeah when they can't do another rep i let them pull their head up off the bench and just that little thing alone gives them another rep or two right and that is the most excruciating rep then i'll have them sit straight up and do one more rep you know, I forgot about those. I, I gotta now go. you're done, right? Now you're done. And they're like, oh, right. And it's like, it, you know, it, it really, it really calls out how weak the biceps really are because it's just total isolation on right. the biceps. Yeah, right. that's right. And it's a small little muscle. Mm -hmm. It's a tiny little muscle. So, and, and so after that, I don't know, what are you going to do after that? I don't know. I'm done. I, I think, I don't know if you have what anything left. What you could do maybe some uh, cable curls. You know, I really like the cables with. That. I like the cable curl too. I like as a as, as a finisher. Yeah, I yeah. would put that in the final position, and also maybe with a little bent handle. Yes. Not just well, the straight bar is good too. You could experiment with both both the straight bar and you have the little bendy handle, uh, and you got to stand right over top of it with the pulley at the at your feet. Mm. That's where I and I curl up into my face. Mm. Right. So uh, I, I would use that as a finisher. So bar, uh, standing cheat curl, steep incline, cable, standing cable curl finisher. Uh, I would superset. Uh, I would start with dips. But if I had a preference, I would have them turn their hands so that, uh, how do we put it, Jim? The hands not fore and aft, it's side to side. Uh, you understand? You, I'm you turning. Rip, you mean? 
neutral. Well, yeah, I guess you call it a neutral grip, right? I want to have my wrist the same as if I was doing a bench press. Right. Okay. Oh, right. okay. So that's I. That's how I grew up doing dips. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's opposite of neutral, JP. It, it would be like you're benching. So like I'm benching because yeah. because we, the original dips that we did, we didn't have a dipping apparatus. So we set up a step. We set up a step ladder next to the basement step. You put one hand on a basement step. You put the other hand on the step ladder, which had a couple of two by fours on it, built up to make them even. You stepped, you, you stepped off the step ladder, and you started dipping. And you'd have one of those York. Remember the iron boots? Yes, yep. I've seen the weeder used to have them too. <laughs> We'd have an iron boot strapped on us with the dumbbell through it. <laughs> But I tell you what, by having my hands in that, is that I just call that a sideways position, right? Yeah, your so your your fingers are like pointing forward. No, no, my yeah, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, my yeah, like like I was doing a bench press. Yeah, except I'm just doing it down. But I, that hand position gave us terrific strength for the oh. flat bench, the incline bench, and the overhead press because that's your hand position in the flat bench the incline yeah the press. yeah so right. we used to do that same thing marty on two benches so we yes have our yes hands on two on benches one bench we'd have ah. our feet on the other and then we'd have a guy ah. load plates on us yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that's almost like a reverse reverse dip though you know like a backwards dip uh, yeah, it's a, over and that's a stretcher that that yeah, you really rough, really you, rough on the shoulders man. yeah that's a that's tough in the rotator yeah. cuff so but we would just do the power dips that is that down to just below parallel and then you'd emphasize the lockout jp come up with a machine that points your hands that way you could dip yeah. like the side well, machine there is one yeah yeah there's no. plenty of them i have one at my gym and where you can, change, um, can you change your wrist position or, or uh, no, but it's got the forward grips. So you would put them exactly like Marty's talking about. Uh -huh. It's got the seat and it's got you angled forward in the seat and you're pushing yeah. down and it's totally isolating your, your tricep. Well, and again, on all tricep work, it's real important that you emphasize the lockout. Yeah. A lot of guys, what they do, whether it be like, like the classic example is on the, the narrow grip flat bench, they throw it up about three quarters and let it fall back down. Right. That's not the exercise. The whole game is at the end, the lockout, right? That's where the triceps get all the stimulation. And in fact, it, you say, hey, you're, I want you to squeeze for a two count. At yes, 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 yes. Hard lockout, right? That's what yeah. you'd be yelling at them. Hyperextend the shoulders, yeah. right? Like lift the shoulders at the end, okay. That's a trick Perillo. Perillo is great at all that, uh, how, you know, how to make a bodybuilding exercise more gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. John knew the best positions on the leg press machine. He knew how to all the different calf, foot positions. Well, you know why? Now, when we had him on, he was talking about that. He owned, oh. I think he owned a gym way back and he said he would lay on benches for hours and just sit there and manipulate his body yep. and his positions yep. to find out where he could best isolate yes. uh, a certain muscle by doing, you know, being uh, in a certain position, lifting a certain way. Jim, he built the best gym equipment I've ever seen. 
Really? His benches were like, I'm, it was like you're looking at a, a Ferrari. Right. Right. And, and they're beautiful. And well, it speaks it to JP's point. He lifted. Uh, yeah, he, he lifted, but but it was all it was all customized for bodybuilding to right. obtain the ideal bodybuilding isolative position, whether it was his funny sculpted flat benches or his arm benches, it was all really high level and he was an expert welder. Okay. Right. So everything was like art. Um, it's really, really cool. What was it called? Genetic Advantage, I think, was the name of it. it he hmm. couldn't get traction in the wider market, but I was one of. I mean, he was like, like I said, it was like Ferrari. So I mean, it was just well, beautiful. And Marty, that makes a big difference, being that that you use the stuff and you understand what exercises are being performed and all that. In my industry, there's a lot of beautiful gym equipment out there, but when you use it, it just, you know, it looks beautiful. It looks good on paper, but when you actually use it, you're like, holy crap, this doesn't eat, this doesn't isolate the triceps like right. you would think it would, or it should. Right. Right. So that's the right. problem with a lot of this right. gym equipment. It's engineered by someone that doesn't know lifting. Non-users. No kinesiology. Yeah. 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 It's that, a, that's like boggles the mind, doesn't it? It, it okay. does, because some of these designs you look at and you just shake your head and you go, oh, my God. Yeah. A really good <laughs> machine is one that you don't even feel like you're using the machine. You know, right. Right. Yeah. Right. these leverage right. machines now they have are excellent, too, man. They, you know, good. Oh, I love you. those. They pull yeah. on you like a lap holder. It's pulling you back, you know. Yeah, I'm uh, revisiting machines. Yeah. I purposely would stay away from them. And, but now it's like they're more sophisticated. Yeah. And uh, what I'm finding is that I'm, I'm having certain, uh, like the rear head of my left tricep is flaming out a little bit, right? Mm. So I have to find isolation exercises that cause the rear head of my left tricep to as Ken Fantana once told me, that's the contraction I'm looking for, Mark. I was like, oh, okay. And and the machines um, are allowing me to obtain that without. I can do it with dumbbells too, but I need to slow down and really. All right, let's re-establish the firing, which has somehow been diminished. Yeah. Right. And around the right above my knees. Oh, oh, they're not they're not really firing on my squat. So you know what I'm doing for the first time. I don't know, thirty years. I'm playing with leg extensions, just real light. Almost you know, yoga with the things you know. But the point being is that the isolation, feeling the muscle work in real time, triceps and biceps. Yeah spinning back to my tail on the second day, how would I feel a second day? Um, I think that I would have an all dumbbell day, both biceps and triceps. That's what Coleman did. And just, um, you could do, I'd give myself the choice. Hey, what do you want to do? You want to come in and do some standing dumbbell? Well, let's do some standing dumbbell. You want to come in and do some seated 90 degree dumbbell? Great. You want to do some 45 degree? Great. That's fine. Uh, triceps. You want to do single dumbbell overhead tricep? 
great, let's do that. What else, you wanna do double tricep line? Okay, good, what else? You wanna strap a dumbbell on and do some dips? Great, let's do that. Close grip press. A close grip press, right? Um, you, ever done, you ever done a nose breakers, Marty? Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I didn't have a problem with them. Yeah. Uh, they didn't bother my elbows. Most, most guys that I knew that were big benchers, they were in the 315 plus range with the amount of weight that they could use. And they oh, all- On the nose breakers? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they all, well, these were 500 plus raw guys. Yeah. Yeah. And they all seem to develop elbow issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. JP, you do those too? Well, I haven't done them in a long time, but my question to you, Jim, is where do you where do you bring the bar to your forehead or behind your head? Well, I had the kids, or, the, the or football both. kids. All, all of the above. Yeah, so what I found, I couldn't, after I, I broke my elbow and all that stuff, so I couldn't do them after that. And, but uh, the football players, I'd have them lie on the ground with a barbell. Mm. And they yeah, keep yeah. close to, you know, a little yeah, bit wider yeah. than their close grip, and they'd bring yeah. it behind their head, yeah. touch the ground, and pause, and Perfect. then come up again. And that seemed to help yeah. with their elbows a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, because you're limiting that the range of motion. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah. That's a dead stop. I read well, that's one of those exercises we would do before they leave the weight room. If I said a 15, see you later. Oh. And they feel great, man. They because feel. their triceps look like they swallowed an air hose. Yeah, I've been stung by bees, man. <laughs> Jim, Jim, but I think when you take the bar and you put it just right over your head, I think you can get your, your upper arm a little bit more vertical. And I think it puts a little less tension on your tendons. Oh, That's how okay. I like to do it. Now, it's, wait, wait, it's a lot harder. You mean, you mean behind it? Like I'm saying or some other way? No, I'm, I'm saying just how you're doing it, you know, with like a yeah. straight bar or whatever yeah. and coming just right behind the, the head. I see. I see. Yeah. And, and you can uh, throw them an easy curl bar too. Whatever. Everybody's going to be different. Everybody's going to have, the point is, is that whatever bicep or tricep exercise you pick, are you making a bicep tricep connection in real time? Are you feeling it work in real time? And the answer is either yes or no. If the answer is in between fuzzy or gray, you're not doing it. Yeah. You got to stop. You got to reduce yeah. your poundage. You got to look at what you're doing. You got to slow down. And, and the nose breakers, yes, exactly. And the nose breakers are real easy to cheat. And so you got to really pull the weight back on that and do it right. And you'll feel it. But I'd see everybody just swinging it and cheating and doing all that. And yeah, you're going to wreck your tendons, your shoulders, everything else. So strictness is critical. Yeah. Uh, if you're serious about seriously increasing the size of your arms, you should seriously consider a weight gain combined with the specialization program. I would recommend that prior to that, that you engage in a lean out phase and to just get as trim and as fit as possible. That way, when you embark on the, you know, let's, let's pump our arms up an inch to an inch and a half in 90 days, um, your your size gain is not going to be marbled with what an unacceptable amount of body fat, right, Jim? Right. That, that's key. So any anybody can just swell up with fat and water. Yeah, that's right. And I think there's something about uh, learning to control your muscles. So it means actually flexing. It means actually, you know, it's 
right, Marty? It's the Weeder yeah. isotension. Uh, what was it? isotension principle? Or something. Uh, yeah, number seventy nine. Right, it's from the Weeder Weeder Research Clinic. And, uh, but I mean, you from, know, the from the bowels of the Weeder Research. That's Clinic. right. That's right. But I, I I think just flexing the muscles that you want to get better um, and learning. And I had lost that ability, Jim. Start because flexing, man. Start posing. I, I, well, uh, hey, Stacy uh, will be reading the book. Marty will walk in. Hey, Dave. It'll be in a film, tight, tight uh, Film that. Yeah, film that, yeah, would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she's, she'd look up and she'd say, uh, uh, take, a, take, take out the trash, Tolstoy. Be like, I don't date bodybuilders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it, it creates that connection, I, man. I couldn't, I couldn't flex my left bicep. You know why? Because I hadn't done anything to flex my left biceps. So I had to relearn it. I had to get back in it and go. And you know, I learned at JP on the cross core. I relearned on the cross core. What's that cost? Well, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it took all the ego out of it. It's like I didn't want to go back to 10 pound dumbbell, but on the cross score, everything looks the same. Right. Yeah. So I probably was handling the equivalent of a 10 pound dumbbell, but I had to go back to zero and go, now, why am I not able to make this left bicep contract when I'm mm. curling? And I just concentrated and concentrated and concentrated and I just kind of reawoke it. Yeah. Well, and the, the positive thing with the cross core, as opposed to, uh, a fixed set of straps. The cross cord is on a pulley. So yeah. it, um, it, it takes, you know, it makes both sides accountable. Um, and, I could, and I could vary the payload during the rut. Right. 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 I, I, I could change. I could literally imagine a magical dumbbell that you could change the poundage just by thinking it in your mind. Oh, make it a 25, make it a 35. Make it a 40. Oh, take it back but, to a 25. And you can do that on the cross court. But it's Marty, un if, if unique to all the resistance training tools. If your dominant side tries to take over, that's going to be identified. No, instantly. because because I'm only doing one arm. Oh, you're doing one arm at a time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, if you're doing two arms, yeah. Well, my right, I got no problem with my right. I got a but my right was carrying my left. My right was doing 65% of the work. My left yeah. was doing 35. Oh, yeah. well, guess what? we got to fix that. Excellent. Yeah. Right. So how do we do that? Okay, right. Take a break. Left. Mm -hmm. Step up here. We're going to do a little specialization work. And I hit it every day because you know what? The, the poundage was so light. There's no recovery issues. Well, plus you were just trying to get that connection. And that yes, yes, yes. The more frequency is key. Frequency. But, be with that and concentrate you can do it yeah you can do it it just takes you've got to sit there and you've got to do it and repeat it and repeat it and and all of a sudden it's like okay i got it back now so i said you're not connecting with right you said you're out what, what did you say you're outside well, now, now i'm good i'm i'm okay. I'm, I'm okay oh now again for the the peak you want what we call the supination. You, it's the rotation, the lifting of the little pinky at the top of all curl movements. Right, the so think about touching the outside of your deltoid with your pinky. That's a good coaching mm -hmm. Twisting up and out, but yeah. you've got to time it so that it only occurs at the very, very end of the rep stroke. Right. Again, you can't do this in machine or with a straight bar, a little bit in a straight bar, but with dumbbells, take advantage of being able to do that. That's how a guy like Coleman or Arnold get that, 
that huge outer head, right? That, yeah. that peak, the peak is the, uh, they've figured out how to make the outer head. Normally we can't figure out how to, how to contract the outer head. That's why our outer heads are always kind of weak and low. They've figured out how to make that connection. And because of that, they brought that outer head up. So when they flex, you know, when we flex, their inner bicep swells up, but nothing else happens. <laughs> and you know, you know, your buddy Jeff Everson changed yep. my arms, arm workouts forever. And I read something in his once you get used to get through the ads and all that stuff in, in uh, Planet Muscle. Yeah. There's Planet nuggets Muscle. of wisdom in there like crazy, man. He oh, was I love smart. Jeff. Jeff is great. Jeff smart is guy. smart. Uh, genuine Raw 585 Venture. And Mr. America at Masters. I mean, uh, was, held a national collegiate snatch record at, at 335. Wow. Yeah. So he, uh, he wrote an article about arms and I think he had trouble building his because he was a weightlifter. You know what I mean? They never did it. They never right. did. Curls. Right. And he said, stop twisting your curls from the bottom, you know, right. turn your hands out from the start and at the top, supinate, yeah. try to touch your pinky because he's like, so you're basically doing a hammer curl, which is your break, uh, brachialis. And then they twist, yes. you know, halfway. Yeah. 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 So keep yeah. them turned out the whole time. Exactly. And then supinate at the exactly. top. And I my pound has dropped freaking 30 pounds of dumbbells, but <laughs> yes. my arm grew two inches. And that's when we like that steep incline dumbbell curl correct. because it forces you to kind of do that. And it's and like start with, oh. start with them turned yeah. out. Start with them turned out. So start with them turned out and then really exaggerate the supination at the top. That's yeah. when the you go, oh, now I feel that outside head. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I could go back in time, <laughs> you know, I'd, you know, I'd be able to do that, but it takes a lot of time and attention, but it's a small technical point. Also the idea of on the, the barbell work, having that, I don't know, what do you call it, Jim? Weak wrist position. Yeah. So you actually want to put your wrist back, you know, instead of turning like them in. Take, take the strength out of your wrist. Yeah. And, and think about, it's not straight. You, you actually, so in my, my, in my uh, situation, if I turn my wrists in towards my chest, then my forearms took over. Correct. Right. But now if I put my wrist back away from me, that's when I could really feel the bicep and I can feel it right now. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. But, you know, I'm at the top of a curl right now and I can feel the cramping in my bicep when I mm -hmm. do that. But yeah. with wrist that in, makes, that makes sense. Not yeah. As, not as much. Right. I don't know if I've ever tried that. I'm gonna have to Dude, try that. It will change your your uh, arm work. And hey, 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 let me tell you, Ryan Chow recommends it. Well, if he doesn't, <laughs> right, let's see, let's see, Ryan Chow, Gillingham, or uh, what's my man, the kettlebell guy? What's my man? Yeah. Phil. Yeah, Phil. But me and Marty say it. Forget it. Yeah. Well, that. like I no, no, not at all. Like I said, I, I, uh, I, I, I it's like a potpourri of, of little tidbits I get from everybody, and I put it right. all together, and uh, I decide the best way forward. But right. uh, uh, learn to dip, right? Learn to dip. Everybody should dip. I mean, you might not be able to change the hand position like I did, but you know, get get good at dipping. Yeah. Right. That's uh, what am I calling? John McCollum called them uh, squats for the upper body. Yeah. Be, yeah. Because, yeah. That's right. Mechanically, it's very similar. If your uh, your elbow is your knee, your wrist is your uh, foot. You know, your hand is your foot. Mm -hmm. 
and you, you squat down below parallel, you dip down below parallel, you come erect, you lock out completely. All your tricep stuff lock out completely, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, also, now this, this is important. You need to always, you've got a, you've got a conflict going because you, you want to bench press once a week. You want to do some sort of overhead pressing once a week. Well, how do you fit in triceps without pre-fatiguing? No question. Right. In other words, you don't want to have a heavy arm workout the day before you're doing benching because your tricep work on Tuesday will ruin your benching on Wednesday. Yeah. Right. So you can follow it. Or if you're, you know, Kirk had a great split when, when he wanted to focus on his arms. Monday would be squat day. Two, uh, Tuesday would be his arm day and he including close grips Wednesday off Thursday would be his deadlift. And, you know, and if he's going to do some more pulls and then Saturday would be his bench day. So right. you're getting everything in there. Plus you're giving your triceps a rest. Now he wasn't doing overhead presses, but, but if he was, he would substitute uh, inclines for overhead. Right. And that, when that incline hit his shoulders really hard and that was after his flat bench. So that's a good way to split it up. And that no, he put, he rest. put inclines on a separate day. Oh, he did? Yeah, these inclines were on a different day. He didn't do them on uh, one. Well, yeah, well, he might have. He might have switched up on that. His close uh, was on the second day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, he 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 switched that up. But uh, so the point being is that you just want to be careful. Uh, classically, we would um, throw arms in after you benched. Right. Or if you wanted to get technical about it, you put triceps on bench day and biceps on overhead press day. Now to me, if I'm sitting around waiting for my triceps to recover, why not do a set of non-conflicting biceps? Yeah. You know, just, I mean, cause I'm not handling any weight anyway. I'm not setting any world records. So yeah. if I'm waiting to recover from a set of dips, then why don't I just do some steep incline curls with a pair of 35s? I mean, we're, you know what I mean? And so I go one, two, rest, one, two, rest, one, two, rest. And I get twice the work done in half the time yeah. with, with no recovery issues. And I like the pump effect of back and forth. Yeah. And the guys that I work with, they like that a lot too. And, and we use that same psychology that you talked about, <clears throat> work the hell out of them on the bread and butter lifts and then work, work them hard in the arms and give them that, that in addition to the post-workout glow state from just, you know, getting their asses kicked in the, in the big stuff. Now you leave them with the pumped up uh, arms and man, they just float out of there. Yeah. <laughs> they're two inches off the ground they're like ah we're, we're ready to roll yeah you know i want to mention too for there's a, probably a lot of people out there that can't do dips for one reason or another um if you're lucky enough to have a chin dip assist machine at your, oh yeah your that's gym, a good one that's a good those one. are pretty cool too and that's a machine where it's got a step up and then it's got a yep. knee pad yep. and it's got a yep. weight stack yep. and you can actually reduce your own body weight for for chins or dips or whatever so if you have one of those um even for people that can do dips because they're a great pump out at the end of your uh end of your tricep exercise uh, i think dips are so important for the free the freestanding dip yeah. 
that I would lose weight and, and get as strong as I can in the pressing exercises until I could dip. But I, I mean, I know what you're saying, and I think those are. Well, great. if you can reduce, that's a way to get into the dip game. What what he's saying, and what makes sense is that if you can make your payload, your right. your body weight lighter than what it is, and right. learn to dip correctly, and then each week move the pin up, right, ten, 10 pounds until reduce over it, yeah. over time, you're like, oh, I, I can just do free weight dips now. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember it's, I back. it's it's rack work. It's like it's it's like Brad Gillingham doing deadlifts out of the rack, and right. and I had good success with that uh, that dip machine that he's talking about. Also yeah. with the with the pull up and the chin, which is right over top of you. So in addition yeah. to having the dip device, you look up and you've got uh, the ability to do reduced payload, reduced body weight chins and pull ups, which allows you to do them technically correct, full, exaggerated range of motion, right, get right. that down, get comfortable with that. Now let's reduce, reduce, reduce each session, reduce, reduce. Oh, now we're doing it with nothing. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. And then in the dips, hopefully you get it to the point where, oh, now we're so strong yeah. at them. We're going to strap on some weight. That's when the yeah. real game starts. And you don't need much. People put on okay. too much. You don't need much. Uh, added weight on there when you're first starting off. I mean, well, then they all, then they all lose their range of motion. They strap on an 80 pound dumbbell and now they're dipping down three inches. Yeah. And you know, I'll tell you that about chins because I remember being at Mac one night and Rob Wagner, and I don't know why we were in town because we were both working at Penn, but we were at Mac and we wanted to train and Rob could do tons of chins, man. And uh, he goes, man, let's start off with chins. And, and I'll be honest with you, man, when I when it was heavy, I don't think I could do a chin up. When I was, you know, I never did those. Damn, I never did those damn things. So what happened was, I had been losing weight. I was probably two thirty, coming off of two eighty. <laughs> I've been doing lots of one arm rows and lap pull, and I do like eight chins. I couldn't, Whoa. I couldn't freaking believe it. But I had reduced my body weight, but kept pulling heavy. You know, kept you know still doing five fifty and stuff like that in the dead, and uh, and I could do them. I couldn't freaking believe it, but it, it just hammered home the point, like. If you're a big heavy guy, you know, it's a lot harder, <laughs> even if you're strong, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot I, I, I think we brought it up last week. These guys who could do like 22 chins, but they couldn't deadlift 350. Yeah, you got to be able to do both, man. You know what I mean? It's like, I, uh, you know, I'm no, nah, it's okay, guys. You know, go ahead and <laughs> do your 27, whatever. <laughs> kip reps but you know they can't pull three they can't well they they pull 315 but it looks like you know it's it's gruesome right it's terrible yeah. it's, they're weak yes <clears throat> so anyway that's just uh, anyway how do we get off on this are we how are we doing on arms jp do we do we kick over all the stones well yeah i mean I, we could go on this forever i mean everybody loves talking about arms but uh, no, that was some some good strategies and some good uh, discussions on on technique and things like that. Yeah, and if you just can't find, just can't get them to grow, just do it one day a week just for arms, just just nothing else. If you yeah. really try, if you've done everything else that we've talked about, just try to have an arm day. And, yeah, and try, and try to push up your performance each week. I mean, either squeeze out another rep or right. more weight, or you, you know That's what I mean. And, or, yep. You know, I, as someone who, and Jim and I were kind of talking about this before we came on, but uh, as someone who 
really had to bust ass on arms to get them to grow. Um, I found that the key for me was not to overdo it, not to do it too much, not to do too many sets, not to do too many reps, because for me, I think it kind of had the opposite effect. Like I said, uh, certain, certain body parts for me just respond better to heavy and less frequent and less, uh, less sets. You know, that's how my arms are. So that's just how they well, respond. But, that, but that's good news because it means you don't have to do them as much or as often. Right. right. That's right. So don't, you know, don't do them. If, if, you're, if you're doing too much and they're not growing, cut it back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, that is a big, we should talk about that because that, I'm real quick, is that that is the main problem is you have guys that are in the YMCA three times a week or golds three times a week and they're, they're doing 40 minutes of arms. They're, they're pissing in the wind, but there's, yeah. If you stay at the same body weight, you're 180 pounds and you're, you're curling and doing arms three times a week for 40 minutes. It's a complete weight. What, 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 what is the, what is the goal? Are you looking well, to increase your right. arm size? Or are you looking to get stronger? Because none of that's going to happen. Yeah, and you gotta, so if your arms aren't going to grow and you're yeah. not going to get stronger, then why, what are you doing? Yeah. And you got to understand that, that when you're doing all those back exercises, your biceps are involved. Every time you do a press, your triceps are involved. Right. So you can easily, you're, so you're, you're just, you're just wearing them down instead of making them grow. Yeah. You're hitting them all through the week. And you know, everybody loves to train arms. We all do. And we could probably train arms all day, but you got to know when to, uh, dial it back because, you know, and that's a good thing. Uh, if you have to dial it back, dial it back, you know, just know that doing too much is going to, is going to produce more harm than good. So yeah, that was funny. my experience. The first time I read that Arnold pictured his biceps as mountains and all that, what the <laughs> heck did he talk about? Of course I was in like third grade, but it really <laughs> is true, man. Not, not the visualization of it, but it's also, you know, putting your mind into the biceps Mm -hmm. blocking, blocking everything else out and just that curl and that bicep or just, you know, you're just focused right there, man. If I could say one thing, I'd say reduce the weight and yep. put that focus on it where yeah. nothing else matters. The yeah. mind-muscle connection, Weeder principle number 33. From the right. research clinic. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Also All from right. the Weeder research clinic. <laughs> I think that's good enough of on arms. I think that was great, man. I thought it was awesome. That was a great discussion. I hopefully, you know, people got different takeaways from that. But uh, that's somebody, our experience. Hopefully, we'll somebody will. It. Hopefully, somebody will grow some damn arms out there. Come on. Yeah. yeah. You know, you guys don't settle for tattoo that says MS. I mean, let's go for Mississippi. Come on. <laughs> well. And I mean, look, I did some research that the the average male arm size from age 20 to 60 is 13 inches. Oh, that's Lord. that's a problem. That ain't going to work. So we, we should we, we should we should have led with that. Thinly, thinly. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever had uh, 13 inch arms, uh, maybe pre 14 years old. But <laughs> when you were born. <laughs> 20 inch calves when he was born yeah, yeah. but uh yeah I, I couldn't imagine 13 that would be something very very wrong with me if i got 13 dude i was just they'd say what does his suicide note say and it would say 
I couldn't live with 13 inch arms. <laughs> All right, listen. Uh, let's talk about Marty Gallagher. He's got a weekly right. column, Raw with Marty Gallagher, yep. at ironcompany.com. So uh, you can find his latest article, How Bodybuilding Training Differs from Strength Training. I think that's a, a real good article. Check that out. It's up now. Um, also, make sure to check out his Instagram at the Marty Gallagher. And then, of course, we've got functional-strength.org, which is his better half runs that. Well, probably most everything, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, She calls me Rain Man. (laughs) And then um, visit ironcompany.com for all your gym equipment and flooring flooring needs. You know, next week, we'll be fully stocked with our solid steel urethane encased dumbbells and barbells. Now you're talking. our, our dumbbells are built to withstand the harshest conditions. We use the thickest solid steel handles and shoulders that are press fit all the way through the head and welded on the outside for maximum durability. And our high quality German urethane is one of the thickest in the business. So if you're is, a, a commercial. Excuse me. Yeah? Is that, Jimmy, is there a better arm building tool in the world than what he just described? Dumbbells? Those kind nice of dumbbells. Could you imagine? Handle. Could you imagine having a, a full set of those things? Oh my God, I'd love it, man. Uh, would you? And I hope you do. You just be sitting there working arms all the time. <laughs> well, the nice thing about the, the the solid steel urethane dumbbell is it's nice and compact. You know, yeah. solid steel is very dense. It's fully welded. There's no bolts to come loose and rattle around. Uh, it's got the thick. Uh, what is it? A 34 millimeter diameter handle. It's got a stick handle. Streamlined. And they're indestructible. So, you know, if you're a commercial gym, this is this is the type of dumbbell you want. If you're a performance uh, facility, uh, we've been selling a lot of these to, to high school weight rooms and college weight rooms and all that. Five-year warranty. So check those out. Those are our solid steel urethane encased dumbbells and barbell sets to go with them too. And we've got the urethane plates as well if you need those. Um, we've got new Jim Steel articles. They can be found in our articles section, just right next to Marty's. What and, is this uh, one? What is this one this week? Squat and uh, old man strength. Old man strength coming up. Old man strength. Yeah, that one's coming up. <clears throat> That's uh, intriguing title. Yeah, man. That's fun to work on. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a good idea. I, I actually pitched it to him and I said, hey, remember when we were all afraid of our dads kicking our ass when he got home from work? You know, he had that, he had that old man strength, you know, we were always terrified. I said, write an article on that and how we talk about that and how we preserve that now that we're the old man, you know, the old man. So, uh, you know, that's what he's going to come. I think it'll be a good article. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh, Marty, I cannot imagine how that Twilight Zone episode is going to go. <laughs> no, we just thought it was was interesting. And then Jim's website, uh, bossbarbell.com, B-A-S, Barbell. I'm reading a good book. I'm going to put this in there because people like it. Tip of the Spear by Ryan Hendrickson. He was a Green Beret who went over to, you know, had a really rough upbringing, living in the woods with no water and all this stuff. His dad was a Vietnam vet and really couldn't get a, a grasp on, in society, you know? So he was like one of those guys, man, let's just get in the woods. Anyway, so he grew up rough, um, 
but then failed out of the seals. And he's like, that's the, you know, I have nothing in life now, but regrouped after a long, tough time and became a green beret and actually won the silver star. So uh, mm, that sounds good. Yeah. And he had, so yeah, is it, this is a autobiography. Yeah. It's called tip of the spear by Ryan Hendrickson. And then I also finished line rider, which is free on Kindle. If you have unlimited, I think. And it's about a Arizona Ranger back in the 1870s. Fascinating. Fascinating. Westerns. Oh, Westerns. Yeah, Westerns. Man. I love that period of time. Just reading about that expansion and, and how those people were fantastic. Anyway, that's my two books. Uh, I got a book too. I'm just finishing up. It's uh, Shogun, which I'm rereading. I think okay. for, I, I read that one about every five years. One thousand in the seventies, right? Was it the seventies? One one thousand one hundred and seventy-four pages, and it's a book I don't want to end. I'm like, <laughs> it's so good. Actually, James Clavell would, had been a prisoner of war, the Japanese in World War II. And so he had really good insight into the sort of the samurai mentality and it traces the, uh, I don't know, this, um, they call him the pilot. It traces the, the sea captain who ended up in Japan in the samurai period and gets involved in all the inner politics. He has all this great knowledge that they want, but it's just the most incredible insight into the entire Japanese warrior mentality <clears throat> takes you takes you through it from beginning to end and uh, i think it's the best big book i've ever read yeah they didn't have a miniseries back in the day yeah they, it was yeah it was pretty weak though they picked the wrong guy they picked yeah. uh what was his name the good looking carradine was it carradine no 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 that was kung fu Anyway, they picked the wrong uh, lead actor and it was pretty weak, but the book is just so strong and I was just so thrilled. I just picked it up on accident and I just started in again. I said, man, this is some good, and he's good writing, <clears throat> excellent writing, but it's, uh, it's one of the books I'm like, I'm at, a, I'm at 980 pages and I don't want it to end, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. it for me. Well, in closing, uh, I just want to say that we sell struggle. According to quoting the last week, and we're going to get a bunch we of t-shirts printed up. We got to copyright that, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Have a good tour. All, right, All right, man. Good one. All right. See you. See bye. You.